morning. We have a very special guest with us this morning, and uh, Brother David Price. And man, did he give me a scare this morning. Um, he's a little older than I am. I, I said it was 100 years this morning, but it really ain't 100 years. But uh, I do remember when I was a teenager, him coming to Columbus, Georgia to run a revival. So that goes back a few days because that was back in the 80s. But nonetheless, uh, I talked to him at camp meeting because he natural born shelled the corn at camp meeting and it was just great. I said, I got to have this cat come and preach. And so, you know, and I thought we'd discussed all that. But this morning, and I don't scare too easily. Y'all understand, I jump out of airplanes. Y'all know that. So, I, but I got through with practice, and it's 8 o'clock, and then it's 8.30, and it's 8.40. We're in the pre-briefing. And I said, anybody seen Brother Price? And I, I went out there and I asked the security team. I said, anybody look like a preacher come walking through here? And <laughs> No, I ain't seen him. I said, man, let me call him. I called him. I said, where are you at? He said, I'm in Brunswick. I, he said, I'll be there at 10.30. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you know, we got a 9 o'clock service. He said, oh, my Lord, a 9 o'clock service. So he'll tell you about this. Sister Debbie has now set the world record for ladies getting dressed, getting makeup right and all that stuff. And I don't know if she was putting her dress on coming down 95. I don't know. He'll tell you about all that. But nonetheless, he come sliding in here, and I got the thumbs up. Uh, right on time. So uh, now he did break a few laws, if I understand getting here. He'll tell you about all that. But nonetheless, I'm excited to have Brother David Price. He's a great preacher of the Word of God. Uh, I've followed his ministry as long as I've been in ministry, which is about 30 years. And everywhere he's gone, he has grown a church everywhere. And so that, that cannot be said for all pastors. I just want to tell you that. It's almost like I'm a hush. Let me just, we'll, uh, but he's grown a church everywhere he's gone. And so I want you to put your hands together right now for Brother David Price and his wife, David. Come on. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be in the Lord's house this morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, if he thinks he got scared, he ought have been in my shoes. Ah. When I told the church this morning, somebody said, well, we're going to be on Facebook today. Uh, this service kind of hinted, be careful what you say. I'm 68 uh, years old. I'm too late to be careful. <laughs> so David and I, because it's so far, uh, it, if we were coming straight, it wouldn't take so long coming from Eccles County. I don't know if any of you, that's over on the Florida line. But the Okefenokee Swamp, we live pretty close to that swamp. We got to drive all the way around. So we just decided to come and stay in Brunswick last night. And this morning about, I don't know, quarter to nine or something like that, pastor called me. He said, uh, are you in route? I said, no. He said, we start at nine I said, you do? <laughs> he said, yeah. So uh, I told him this morning when he called me, I'm standing there in my drawers. <laughs> I ain't ready. Debbie's not ready, but we got ready. And we got here, I think, for the last song. So uh, one side of that lane between here, it's still on fire. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for... Uh, 
asking and allowing Debbie and I to come and be here this morning. I appreciate it. You don't know how much I appreciate it. I told somebody for over about 45, 46 years, I preached because I had to. Now I preach because I want to. And uh, some of you might not understand. You got to make a living. All you that don't have to see me after church, and I'll relieve you of the burden of them finances, okay? But uh, after, after we got through at the state office, then Debbie and I decided that we'll not take a church. We pastored a long time, and I thought that it's time for some younger guys to be able to have the privileges that I had. So we're just preaching on weekends, and the Lord is a blessing, and we are so thankful. But thank you. Uh, for this wonderful opportunity. We're going to Second Chronicles chapter 20 this morning. We're going to talk about Jehoshaphat's fam, uh, valley. When the pastor was mentioning storms a while ago, I thought about something that I heard several years ago about a, a priest and a nun that was trying to get back uh, before nightfall, and they got caught in a storm. They'd been down several hundred miles of ministering, and they were trying to get back to their residence. And a storm came up, violent storm, and they kept trying to press and drive. And finally the priest said, Sister, we're going to have to stop and get a room. So they stopped and went in and went to the clerk and said, uh, We need two rooms. And the clerk said, Father, I'm sorry, but we only have one room available. The storm's got people coming off the roads priest said, oh, no, 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 that won't work. One room would not work. And he said, we'll just go on down the road. And, and the clerk said, Father, there is no more rooms. This is the only room. And the nun said, Father, I think under circumstances God would understand. And so they got the room. They got in the room. And the father was trying to be not only a good priest but a gentleman. And he said, I'm going to sleep on the floor and you take the bed. She said, okay. A few minutes, she said, Father, I'm cold. So the father got up and got her a blanket. He went back and laid down on the floor. A few minutes, she said, Father, I'm still cold. He got up and got her another blanket. He went and laid back down on the floor. In a few minutes, the nun said, Father, I'm still cold, and under the circumstances, I don't think God would mind if we pretended to be married. He said, okay, get up and get your own blanket. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, where is he going? I told that one time years ago at a church, and this precious saint of the Lord, she she, this was years ago, and she had one of these Church of God buns. I don't know. You probably don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. It's a hairdo that went way further than it should have. And she was sitting there, and my eye caught her, and she was turning shades of colors. And when I finally finished the joke, she went, Phew. But anyway, sometimes you have to get your own blanket. Jehoshaphat's valley. You know, the Bible talks about valleys. Valleys represent difficult places, problem places, frustrating places. The Bible talks about these valleys in places such as Psalm 
23 and 4, the valley of the shadow of death. No family has been exempt from that particular family or valley. Ezekiel 37 and 1, it talks about the valley of dry bones. We've all experienced in spiritual walk with the Lord dry places. Psalm 84 and 6, it talks about the valley of weeping. We've all been there. Our family and my sister's family in the last two months have faced some very difficult things as far as health issues with members of our children, grandchildren. But God is taking care of those things. But we did a lot of weeping. The Bible also in 1 Samuel 17 and 19 talks about the valley of Elah where David fought the giant. Revelation 16, 16, it talks about the valley of decision. So we've all experienced these kind of valleys. Life is full of valleys. I'd like to be able to tell you that you only experience the mountaintop experiences, but with, remember with every mountain there's two valleys. So we have these valleys. We go through troubles and trials. Job 14 and 1 said, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. So Job understood that. Now we come to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat ruled for 25 years in Judah. He was a great king, a great, great king. He enlarged his kingdom. He enlarged and strengthened his military. He also sent out Levites and priests on a regular circuit to read the word of the law of God to the people so they would know what thus saith the Lord. He was noted for seeking God in everything that he did. That was his first priority. His first thing that he would do, he would always seek the Lord. He followed the footsteps of his father. But now... Jehoshaphat finds himself in a valley. In chapter 20, verse number 1, it tells us there that he had this confederation. There was Ammon and Moab. You read on down, there's Mount Seir. There was, a, there was a, at least five different confederations that had come against him to, to destroy him, to destroy his kingdom, to take back everything that God had already given them through covenant. Matter of fact, he reminds me of what we go through when we face Satan. In St. John 10 and 10, it says, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So he was in a valley facing his greatest challenge of his entire life. But we, we wonder sometimes how people react. Now, we're talking about good people here. We're talking about a good man, a successful man. A man that had not sinned. You know, I often think sometimes with, if, if we're going through something because we've done something wrong, it's kind of easier to accept. I met a young lady outside uh, between the services, and she said she was a law officer. And she heard me talking about this morning I had to uh, break a few laws to get here in 23 minutes. And she was telling me she was, uh, and I said, you know, I said, I, I do apologize. She said, oh, no, no, no. She said, and I said, you know, every time that I've got stopped, and by the grace of God, it's been very few times. I'm not a speed demon on the highway. 
But every time that I've got stopped, I always took my medicine. I have never called one time and said, hey, can you get me out of this? I did wrong, I got caught. But sometimes you go through some things and you've done nothing wrong and it's a little harder to deal with. Jehoshaphat hadn't done anything wrong, but the enemy is coming against him with everything that he's got. So how did he react? Verse number 3, it tells us, first of all, that he feared. He was afraid of this enemy that had come against him. You know, you, you go through churches, and over my lifetime of churches, I've seen all kind of church people, and you see once in a while these super spiritual people, and, and, and you, you have to deal with them because they don't think that you're ever supposed to be afraid of anything, that you just plow on and you're always singing hymns. Well, that's just not so. But he tells us, that he, the Bible tells us that he was afraid. Matter of fact, in verse 12, it goes a little deeper. He said, here's why I'm afraid, God. Number one is we, are, we have no power. We are no match against this great enemy. My military is strong, but it's not that strong. They are mightier than we are. They are more than we are. They are more capable, capable than we are. And then the second thing, he says, and this is something that he admits that you don't find a lot of people, especially leaders admitting, he said, and I don't know what to do, God. I've been there a lot of times when I just throw up my hands and say, I don't know what to do. You know, when I first started pastoring way back in, uh, I don't even want to tell you how long ago it was, but it was a long time ago. A good friend of mine who at that particular time was on the executive committee of our denomination. And, and he told me, he brought me a stack of books. And I, you know, I mean a stack of books. I think it's something he was about to throw away. But he brought them to me. And, and, and uh, I'd never read a book in my life. Some of you staring at me like a bullfrog batting his eyes in a hailstorm. Matter of fact, until a few years ago, I had still never read a book in my life. You wonder how I got this smart, don't you? Until I read Joe Osteen's first book. And the reason I read that book is because I wanted to find out how a man could smile seven days a week, 24 hours a day. The only reason I read it. Got through the book, and I still don't believe he could smile that often. Never read a book. He brought me. Now I've read the Bible once or twice, okay? I've studied books concerning the Bible, but I'm not a big reader. But he brought, but he told me something. He said, Now, David, you need a church. And I thought, the last thing I need is a church. I just got saved. He believed when you get saved, you need to go. So he, and he said, when you get a church and you become pastor, if you don't know something, just fake it. <clears throat> I love this man. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And I didn't say anything to him. But I was already thinking in my mind, no, I'm not ashamed. I'm a redneck. I'm a bona fide card-toting redneck that'll tell you I don't know everything. And if you ask me something and I don't know it, I'll say, I don't know. I'm not the smartest man in the world. 
But anyway, there's times in my life, there's times in your life, you're not going to know how to handle the valley. You're not going to know what to do in that valley. So the Bible tells us that the second thing he did in verse number 3, that he set himself to seek the Lord. Remember I told you this is what he was known for. He would seek after God. When Ahab wanted Jehoshaphat, Ahab the king of Israel wanted Jehoshaphat to go to uh, Ramoth Gilead and go into battle against Ben-Hadad, he asked Jehoshaphat to go into battle with him. And he said, sure, we'll be brethren. But in verse number 6, he said, is there not a prophet of God that we can find out? Other words, he was going to seek God's plan. God has a plan for your valley. God has a plan for you to get out of your valley. Amen. So he began to seek after God. Then the third thing it tells us that he called for a fast. A fast was when he humbled himself before the Lord. Now, fasting is something that probably we don't like to do, but it is a time when you fast, when you show God your earnest, that you need His help, and it just kind of just solidifies your prayer and your request. And humbling yourself, Jocelyn said, No, I'm not, I don't want to. Uh, display all of my trophies. I don't want to display my talent, my successes. God, I'm humbling myself before you. So that's how he responded. Now verse number 4 through verse number 13 is his prayer. Now he began to pray. This is three things that he prayed about in there. You could find more, but three I want to talk about. Because I believe in prayer. Anybody in here believe in prayer? I believe in prayer. We hear a lot about prayer. We've played, prayed about three times in this service already. Well, I believe in that. People are telling you to pray. You know you ought to pray. Pray without ceasing. And everything, pray by prayer and supplication. I mean, we know to pray. But sometimes we don't pray right. Can I get a Presbyterian amen? I don't know about that early crowd. They were lively. I'm going to have to juice things up right here. Hang on with me. We'll, we'll get there. But you, you don't just pray. There's principles got to be behind our prayer. All right, in those verses, here's three things. Number one, he prayed to the God of heaven. It matters to whom you're praying. Now, back then, there were all kinds of gods. I mean, sun gods, crocodile gods, moon gods, pan. I mean, there's all kinds of gods back there. Everybody had a god. It's no different than today. Everybody seems to have a god. We got so many religions, and, and, and we even hear our politicians tell us that it, it doesn't matter who you're praying to, just pray. I'm going to tell you it matters to whom you are praying. Amen. You don't pray horizontally, you pray upward, amen. He prayed to the God that sits in the throne room of heaven, amen. You need to pray to God that is in heaven above all, amen. So he prayed to the God of heaven. The second thing, he prayed to the God that rules over all the kingdoms even the kingdoms of the heathen. He said, Are not thou 
ruler over the kingdoms of the heathen? I know He's our God. I know He rules over us. I know He maps out our steps. We're His people. We're His children. We're His church. Certainly God rules over us. But let me tell you something else. There's an enemy out there that we fear. But let me tell you about God. God rules over all opposition that comes against us. God will let the enemy go so far, and that's as far as he's going to go, because God has power over our enemies. Amen. Job shows us that. God said, Satan, you can go this far, but you can't go no farther. I remember one time when I was a boy, my daddy and my daddy on the on part time had a little part time job, and that was surveying tobacco. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They had allotments. Farmers had allotments, and 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 they couldn't wasn't supposed to grow more than that. And we would measure, and if they were more, daddy'd chop them down. Now, dad didn't have a lot of enemies in the farming community. He had chops them because they had too much. I remember one time we drove up to a house and got out and walked about like that front front row, and here come a big old German shepherd. I mean, he was coming. He was growling. He was barking. The hair was standing up on the back of his neck. Just about one-third of a second, Daddy and I were on the top of the car. That dog got about ten feet and was yanked back all the way to where he come from. He had a big chain on him. Hadn't been for that chain, he'd have got us. I'm going to tell you something. The devil can huff. He can puff. He can bluff. He can come against you. His fangs can fall out. He can foam at the mouth. Eyes turn cold and blood red. But God's got him on a chain. And he can't come no further than God will permit him to come. He can't touch you because God says, just this far. Amen. Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. He's God over the heathen. The third part of that prayer is to the God of history. He said, God... You've drove these people out before. You give us this land. You give it to Abraham. It's ours. Yesterday, God, you drove them out, and now they're coming back. What is he saying? God, you did it yesterday. You can do it today. You've got a history with God. Sometimes when you're praying, you need to remember what God has done. David stood before Goliath. He said, Goliath, I want to tell you why I'm going to win this battle because I got a history with God. Because there's a lion stood against me one time and God delivered that lion into my hand. There's a bear stood against me one time and God delivered that bear into my hand. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been sick before, but God has healed me. I've been broke before, but God has blessed me. I've been down, but God has picked me up. My children's acting crazy, but God, straighten them out. I needed a job yesterday. God, give me a job. You got a history, 
And the God that brought you out yesterday is going to bring you out today. You didn't get here somehow. You got here by the grace of God. Remember, remember, remember what God's done for you. And it'll help you through your valley. So they, they prayed. And now, in verses 14, 17, 19, we get into this part. And they prayed. Now, verse number 20. Let's just go to there. Verse 20. The Bible tells us, now they're praying. I don't know how long they prayed. They're praying. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord, no, verse 17, 19, the Spirit of the Lord, 14. I'm getting where I, I got so much junk in here, it's just crazy. Some of it's Scripture. And he began to pray. And the Bible said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel the prophet. I don't know how long they're praying. But it said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel the prophet. I don't know if they've been there five minutes, five days, five weeks. They pray. Back in the day, we used to call it praying through. Amen. Sometimes God will move like that. Sometimes you're going to spend a day. Sometimes you're going to go a week. Sometimes you're going to go a month praying. But the thing about you need to pray until the Spirit moves. Amen. We need to hang in there and say, I'm not letting go till you bless me. I'm going to keep pressing till I touch the hem of the garment. Amen. Sometimes you just got to press on. So they prayed until the Spirit moved. Wouldn't it be a wonderful, wonderful thing if the church got together and said, we're going to stay here until the Spirit moved. We need us moving in these last days of the Spirit of the Most High to fall on the prophets, the preachers, the lay people. We need to pray until the Spirit moves. Hallelujah. And here's what the prophet said when the Spirit moved. He began to preach to them. And he said, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude now we go back to those super spiritual people that you find in the church they're always on top of the mountain they, they ain't got a clue about a valley they don't have a clue about being sick and having a migraine or kids going wild some of you may be in here you said I'm one of them well I'm fixing to pinch you just a little bit I, when I, now I'll go to people and they ask me to preach. I try to be really encouraging, and you know, but sometimes I still got a little pastor in me and I just got to pinch a little bit. I had one of them, I told that this morning. I, I had one of them come by and visit, Debbie and I. They come in, sit down, and they come in the house and they sit down on the couch, and he just started on. He's never sick. He's never broke. His kids are all angels. I knew his kids. Always got money. He just went on and on. You ever seen any of them? You know, just a blow I just stopped him. I just had enough of it. 
Do you ever get enough? I just had enough. I said, hold it, just stop. He looked at me. I said, I've heard you, but I got a question. What in the world have you got to look forward to when you get to heaven? God wants to bless us now. God wants to meet our needs now. But God made a heaven to make up for the hell we're going through here. You're going to have some valleys. Don't listen to that super spiritual nonsense. You're going to have to do battle. I don't know, but I may be wrong. I doubt it, but I may be wrong. Right over that pearly gate, when you enter into heaven, it's going to say, no wimps allowed. You're going to fight. You're going to have battles. You're going to have struggles. But the Lord said to them, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Now, what I want to tell you is here, God didn't belittle Jehoshaphat's problem. Super spiritual people tell you you ought to be bigger than that, and you're not spiritual, you're not saved. God said, I know, Jehoshaphat, you got a big problem. I know you're facing more than you are. I know their military is strong. I know you got a big, big problem. Jesus walked this planet. Anything you've experienced, he already experienced. He knows the woes of this life. He said, but you don't have to be afraid of them. Now, why? Listen to what he said. You don't have to be afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude because the battle is not yours. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? You don't have to be afraid nor dismayed because the battle is not yours. Now, Pastor, for... 40-something years. I know I don't look like it, but I'm an old man. I'm 68. I got eight grandchildren, three great-grandchildren, and I stay broke. And I come from a little part of the world over here in Eccles County, just old rednecks, you know, and we just had a few things we were able to do. We, we hunted both day and night. <clears throat> we fished. We fought. We drank. We cussed. We just done all this stuff back then. I don't know about you, but I was a sinner before I got saved. Isn't that shocking? <laughs> yeah, you come in this world with a halo. I didn't. And probably that part of the, the, the world, I say the world because it's a different part of the world. We like to get even with people. Some, some of you are smiling and you want to say amen, but you won't. <laughs> Don't it feel good to get back? Come on. Liars are not going to make it to heaven. Don't it feel good to get even? Somebody do you wrong, first thought, I'm going to get them back. I'm smiling, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I love you anyway, brother, but the wheel's turning. Well, when I started pastoring, I still thought I had to fight every battle. 
I'm talking about even spiritual battles. You know, you had, you had to fight back. That's where I grew up. When you're no bigger than a swamp mosquito, you got to learn to fight. Boy, I mean, I, you get in my face, I'm coming right back in your face. Then you get into manipulating. You're going to work it out yourself. You go, you're going to put this here and that there, and you go get this one over here to get in there. You're going to start. You know what I do with a mess? I make a bigger mess. The more you stir it, the more it stinks. You get to fighting these battles, and you're going to get in the flesh. And you're going to get into an area where you're not supposed to be. And the Lord said, Jehoshaphat, this is my battle. Jehoshaphat already turned it over to him in verse number 3. This is my battle. This isn't your battle. It's God's battle. And God said, if you'll let me, all you got to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm going to fight this battle for you. Battle's not yours. Okay, now verse 20. Verse 20, the prophet, and not through preaching yet, he says two things that's very important. He said, believe or trust in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. If you'll trust God, you'll be established. You'll be settled. You'll be fixed. You'll be permanent. Your kingdom, Jehoshaphat, if you'll trust in the Lord, will not be moved at all. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about belief. He's talking about trust. This word faith, the Bible tells us in Habakkuk 2, 4, Galatians 3, 11, Hebrews 10, 38, Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. That word faith comes from a Greek word pistis, which means to be confident or persuaded in someone or something. Philippians 1 and 6, and being confident in this very thing, he that began a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Romans 8 and 31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's on my side, what enemy can come against me? you got to trust in the Lord and you'll be established. They want to take your kingdom, Jehoshaphat, but trust me, they won't take your kingdom. But the next thing he says is a little more difficult. Trust in his prophets, and so shall you prosper. I don't know a lot about you, but I like that word prosper. I'm not, I don't preach on money all the time. When I pastored, I, I had a little lecture on tithing every Sunday morning. Wasn't ashamed of it. I like the word prosper. I believe God will prosper it's not all in money. Just a few days ago, while we were at the General Assembly, got a phone call from our youngest daughter. We got twin grandsons. They're eight years old. One of them had a fever and took, to the doc took him to the doctor. Doctor said, I'm going to give him this, but I'm going to, three days, we're going to test him for 
I even hate to say it, leukemia. Now, I want to tell you something. I went to a valley real quick. My whole family went to a valley real quick. Three days went by. Well, we prayed. My, you, I might even share this with you down there. I shared it with some guys that was around me. We, oh, David Dean. You know David Dean? You ask David Dean to pray. He's going to pray right now. He grabbed me by the hand, buddy. We went to praying right there in front of everybody. There's a bunch of preachers there, but some of them was wondering, what are they doing? Next day, the blood count, see the blood count was down there around two. It come up to over three, almost four overnight. We got encouraged. Well, it went by. They did another, I don't know all this terminology, another test. Have it tomorrow. and went by tomorrow to tomorrow to tomorrow to tomorrow. I'm in this valley. One of my grandkids, eight-year-old. All the tests come back negative. He's fine. He's well. Somebody said, somebody said, well, did the doctor make a mistake? Here's what I'm saying. I, I prayed to a God of heaven, and God moved in our life. Amen. That's prosperity is what I was trying to tell you. It's not all dollar bills. I'm not a rich man. Some people think I am because my last name's Price. My kids and grandkids think I'm rich. I'm not rich. I don't have a barrel of money. I got a barrel that never runs out of money. You hear what I'm saying? I got a barrel that don't run out of money. We seen the bottom, hadn't we, Deb? We go back and there's some more money. I'd rather have a barrel that don't run out than a one-time barrel. I got a wife. I got three kids. They're all married. I got eight grandkids and three. They'd go through that barrel. And them hundreds got to be paid. We got some good preachers. Not only this stuff. You got one of the fine. I'm not just saying that because he's here. You got one of the finest ministers I've ever known in my life. He's not only a value to you. He's a value to the state. Matter of fact, he just. Y'all may know this. He just went on the state council. <laughs> he went on the state council. Well, Mike, you better start telling, teaching them a little bit more about the. <laughs> but he's a fine man. You trust him. This place has been filled twice today. You trust him. He's proven over 23 years his integrity and his love and his devotion. But we got some of them out there. This is not a blanket verse where just because somebody says, I'm a preacher, you're going to trust him with everything. I could get into this thing about discerning the Spirit, but I'm not. We got some yahoos out there. 
All they want is your money. They just want your money. They want you to, these TV preachers. I'm not against all TV preachers. But I just quit watching TV preachers. I watch Gunsmoke. <laughs> Matt will quote some scripture. Watch it. Debbie and I are Western fanatics. We got two Western channels. We love Westerns. They want this. They all got this $1,000 vow. I want you to send them the $1,000. Well, from being from Eccles, little mean spirit struck me, and I decided I'd start calling them. First thing I called, I called them up, and I said, uh, Hello? They said, Hello, are you calling about the $1,000? It wasn't how you're doing. Your family's sick. You had a, what? You got a thousand? Yeah, I'm calling about the $1,000. said, okay, good. Can I have you? I said, no, 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 not so fast. They want my name, my address. And I said, uh, I got a few questions to ask. The lady said, okay. I said, first of all, before I could get through with the first of all, she said, if you got $1,000, well, I called you. No, I got two quarters, but I thought I'd just give this a shot, okay? And being that mean streak was in me, I said, yeah, I got thousands. I had $2,000. That's thousands to me. You rub 2000 together, you're a rich man. So she let me, so I said, if I said, if I give this $1,000 to my pastor and the church that I attend and my pastor preaches every Sunday and feeds me. He visits me in the hospital. He buries my dead. He marries my youngins. Do I get this tenfold blessing? I'm talking to a Pentecostal because they start stammering lips. They don't know how to answer that. I said, thank you, ma'am. Hung up the phone. I called a bunch of them. Same pro- let me tell you, every preacher's not after your money. Every preacher's not after something. Every preacher's not just to, out to build his own kingdom. They are concerned about souls. And he said, if you'll get these good preachers and you'll listen, then God said, I'll prosper you. Have you ever wondered why the devil wants to put a wedge between the pew and the pulpit? Because if you get that wedge between you and the pulpit, you're going to starve to death. Because you're going to come in here with a stinking attitude. I'm mad. I ain't listening to him. He didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. You're not going to agree with this precious man every time he opens his mouth. You're not expected to. He don't expect you. But you see, some we got different opinions about. He is the one that God has set in this church to be leader. This church is growing. I don't know another church in our state growing like this church. And what you need to do is rebuke the devil. Debbie and I have been married 48 years. You think we agree on everything? We don't even agree on the thermostat. I know when she's hot, I'm cold. She thinks I spend too much money on hunting club dudes. I don't. 
Hey, she can cook the best buttermilk, homemade buttermilk biscuits you've ever eaten in your life. She cooked some the other day. We thought. And that was them Betty Crocker things. She just had them in the biscuit bowl, covered up like normal, and we opened them up. I didn't throw her nor the biscuits out. I sat down, I ate them, and thanked her for it. You're not going to agree on He said, if you, God has put the prophets for your prosperity. Okay, I got to hurry. I see that time. So let's just move on. Verse number 21, you got a battle. Everybody say you got a battle. I mean, it's overwhelming battle. Bigger than you, you don't know what to do. So after this prophet gets to prophesying, Jehoshaphat decides. I think that was a spiritual moment. You ever had one? A spiritual inspiration that nobody's going to understand. We're going into battle. Send out the praise team. Jehoshaphat has lost his mind. We need the military. You want to send out the choir? <laughs> really? I've had some choirs I'd like to send out. And when they got out, locked the door. I've heard some of the God-awful music in the church of God some places. You're sitting there, you know, and they don't even know they're bad. <laughs> they sung that one course 18 times, and it's just going through you, boom, boom. I got to preach, but I'm backslid already. <laughs> they don't even know they're bad. It's kind of like I, the last team... Teen talent I went to, little kids. I don't know if they were teen. They were little. I sat there. One little boy got up I said, to sing, and I said, his mom and daddy need to be took out behind the barn and beat half to death. They put him up there. They lied to that youngin and said, you can sing. Put that little boy through all of that. And then we got to sit out there as an audience and applaud. I applauded. It was over. Always find something to applaud. It's over. Bless his little heart. If your youngin can't sing, tell them they can't sing. What's wrong with that? Sent out the choir. They get out there, and here's what they're saying. Praise the Lord, His mercy endureth forever. They're in a valley. They're in a valley, and they're singing, Praise the Lord, His mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord, His mercy endureth forever. You see, here's where some of you are. Devil's got you backed up into a dark corner somewhere. He's badgered you. He's threatened you. He's bluffed you. He's humiliated you. You feel like a snarling junkyard dog back there in the back pew. You can't, ah, you just giving up. 
And he's over there celebrating. I got them now. Their heads hung low. The arms are heavy. Their voice is silent. They're hid away in the shadows. And about the time he thinks he's got you, all of a sudden you come out of that dark shadow. And you got your hands raised up. And your head thrown back. And you praise the Lord as mercy endureth forever. He don't know what to do. Praise frustrates the devil, annihilates the devil, confuses the devil, defeats the devil. Just about the time he's got you beat down, you come out praising. Amen. You might not can fight your way out of some stuff, and you can praise your way out of any stuff. Because Psalm 22 and 3 says, when you start praising God, is going to get restless. He's going to come down in your midst. And where God is, the devil ain't. Now, they get, I'm about through. They begin to praise. Verse 23, according to the Holy Spirit Encounter Bible, at the moment. Everybody say moment. Let's do that again. At the moment. Woo! I may take a running spell. If I was a little younger, I'd have done run. I've been thinking about jumping off this platform, but I thought better of it. In the valley. Say it. In the valley. In the valley. They are just singing and praising God. And at the moment, not five minutes later, not ten minutes later, not an hour later, at the very moment they opened their mouth and began to praise God, God set ambushments on the enemy and they started fighting and killing one another. At the moment, at the moment praise comes out of your mouth, something just left heaven your, something just left heaven your way. At the moment you get up the courage and you start praising God, God's going to start getting in your arrangements. Hallelujah. Stand with me. I got to quit. You look like you've had all this you want. At the moment. Oh, glory to God. Some of you got some struggles and battles in the valley this morning, but at the moment. Verse 25, when, when Jehoshaphat gets down there, 24, when Jehoshaphat gets down there and his men, the choir's done one out there and sung them to death. All they see is dead corpses everywhere. They hadn't fired a shot. There's no injuries in the camp of the Lord. No shot fired by any of them, but all the enemy is falling down dead. And they just go in there and start collecting the spoil. There's jewels, fine jewels, the Bible says. Silver, gold, fine clothing. Took them three days just to collect up the spoil. They couldn't even get it all then. Verse number one, they started in this valley of opposition. Verse 26, now they're worshiping in the valley of Baraka, the valley of blessing. Jehoshaphat said from now on, 
when you look at this valley, you're going to think of blessings. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? When you look at that valley or you go through that valley, you're going to start thinking about the blessing of yesterday. Oh, I was in a valley yesterday, but God blessed me. Deuteronomy 23 and 5, that says that, the, that God will turn your curse into a blessing because the Lord thy God loveth thee. What the enemy has meant for bad, God's going to turn it into good. What the enemy's, oh, what the enemy has meant for bad, God's going to turn it to good. How can that happen? Only with God. You see, God wants to do something in somebody's life this morning. If you're in this place and God sent you this word, I just want you to slip up your hand and hold it there just a minute. Slip up your hand. Now I want you to bring that hand right down here real quick. Come on, real quick. on in here just a little closer. See, way back in June when the pastor asked me to come preach, I don't think it was an accident because God don't work through accident with the pastor. Not that the pastor couldn't preach this same message and probably better but God just wanted me to come by around here and just give you this little word of encouragement that you're going to have valleys, but God's going to bring you out of the valley. I, 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 I don't know what valley you're in this morning. I don't know what you're going through this morning. But I know one thing. At the moment, this, this is burning in me. At the moment you open your mouth and start praising God, something's going to start changing. I could come down there and lay hands on all of you. I do that sometimes and I might before it's over. But what I'm going to ask you to do this morning that are standing here, to raise up both hands if you're physically able. And I want you to open your mouth and just start praising God. He already knows why you're here. I'm going to ask the church to raise up both hands and help them praise the Lord. Come on, let's pray. At the moment we start praising God, God's going to start doing something. Father, Father, in the name that's above every name, we lift up that name. That's Joshua. That's Jehoshaphat. God sent out His choir and they started praising You, Lord. Your mercy, your mercy, your mercy. Come on, help me praise just a little bit more. I, I, I feel like we just got a little stumble here. Come on, help me praise. Come on, at the moment, praise Him a little harder. I, I know I'm pushing. I, I, I'm trying to get, help you have a breakthrough this morning. I'm trying to help you push through this morning. Some of you people come up and lay hands on them real quick. Come on, I just feel like we need to press this. Just lay your hands on them real quick. Oh, I just want to bless your name.
just want to make you glad. Oh, I just want to make you time as they worship the Lord. David and Sister Debbie Price, and God, that you're going to use them all over this state, Lord, perhaps this country, God, to carry this word of God, Lord, because this word spoke to us today, a word in season, Lord, to those that was weary and perhaps oppressed or in the valley, so I pray your hand to be upon them, O God, and Lord, that the greater days lie ahead, O Lord that you're going to do some phenomenal things through their ministry. And I, I just believe that in the name of Jesus. 
And I thank you for it, oh God. Can you give the Lord a big hand of praise right now?